Howdy, and welcome to the Aggie Greats podcast. My name is Kenner, and I'm so glad you joined us this week as we dive deep to understand what makes the great great. Here on Aggie Greats, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to live life to the fullest. We're so glad you're along for the journey, so let's pursue greatness. Well, howdy, and welcome back to the Aggie Greats podcast. Today, we are joined with Claire Harvey, who was a setter and captain for the volleyball team here at A&M. She graduated class of 2001 and went on to get her MBA at Rice before ending up where she is here today as the CEO of EIV Resources. And so we're so honored to have her and to have a fellow athlete here on the podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you, Kenner. I, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, well, this is something that most Aggies don't get the opportunity to do, which is why I'm so excited to be doing this. And something that as, as an athlete to an athlete, I was hoping to kind of understand is what is the best piece of advice you've received, whether that's coming out of college or in the workforce after college? Gosh, best piece of advice. I have so many good things I could share. This is probably one many Aggies tell you, but believe in the network. That is a huge asset that we as Aggies have as we graduate from our fine university is believe in the network. And that network doesn't necessarily need to be the very insulated job you're doing at that very moment in time, because you never know where you're going to end up 10 or 20 years later. And you'll continue to cross, cross paths with great Aggies out there. So believe in the network. I would say my other non-Aggie specific piece of advice is to believe in yourself and learn how to listen. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's something that as athletes, sometimes we forget how to listen because we're very confident and can go out into the workforce and feel really good about our contributions. But listening is the number one quality for success, I think, is being yeah, able to listen and internalize. That's funny. My mom was always like, you have two ears and one mouth. <laughs> so they, exactly. There's there for a reason. That and is right. Yeah. So as obviously the volleyball team has been doing amazing things for the past 20 years since you've been out of college and their new coaches. What was that experience like? You're around your best friends. You're in mm-hmm. Reed Arena with just amazing. We were. We yes, weren't sir. in Reed. No, Reed was built after my freshman year. And it oh was my only, goodness. only basketball. And before they did the reno of Kyle Field, we were at Golly Raleigh and G Raleigh, which was for my sophomores or senior year, just a volleyball gym. And it was amazing as a volleyball gym. Wow. Do you have a defining moment of your college career where you look back and you're like, man, I wish I could relive that moment over and over again? Oh, man. I, I would say I'm not sure there were many moments I would relive because I, I, loved, I loved being an Aggie and I loved being on the volleyball team. I would say my defining moment was my sophomore year. Not a fun story, but I was the starting setter coming into the season. We had just recruited someone really good the year behind me who was going to go on to be a freshman All-American. So you know where the wow. story's going. And it was a really you know big moment for me to decide whether I was an individual player or a team player. And we had a great coaching staff with the Corbellis at the time, and I loved my teammates, and it took me a little bit of humbling and a little less ego-centric behaviors to try to figure out that I, I needed to be a team player, which ultimately meant that I was going to play in every match but not start every match, and it worked out really well. We went to the Elite Eight the next year. It was a defining moment for the program at that point in time, and so I was really happy that I stuck with it and didn't let my ego get in the way along the way. 
Man, that's so true. Something that I've really learned, and maybe you can relate to this as well, is that we we sometimes get so focused on our title and on what people say we are. Oh, I'm the team captain that we only in our minds, we come in as freshmen and we're like, I can't lead until I get to that position. And you've been in numerous positions. Obviously, you're the CEO of your company now. And how has that mindset of like, hey, it doesn't matter what my title is, influence the way that you lead within your company and try to establish a culture within your community? Yeah. I mean, you have to realize in life that when we're young and we're successful, especially as athletes and as students, you know, whether you're an athlete or not, it's easy to get caught up in what titles might be. And, you know, we get on a ladder and we try to climb it as fast as we can because we're competitive, because we're achievers, whatever the reason may be, we may have something to prove. But at the end of the day, what matters is how successful your team is. Mm. And in order to be on a successful team, similar to my experience on the volleyball team, you know, it's not just one person. And so one person's title just doesn't mean anything. You need to to be part of a cohesive team. And as you know, I I mentioned going to the Elite Eight my junior year. Well, my senior year, they created a a new award on the team for me, which was the most, most inspirational player, because I did kind of check my ego at the door and realize that there's something larger than just one person's contributions to a team. So you you have to lead, whether you're a sophomore, a freshman, a junior, a senior, you have to lead by example and try to pull people in the right directions versus trying to step all over them or change the team dynamic. And you're speaking my language. I love, yeah, it's funny because it doesn't matter what sport you're on, whether it's golf, football, Mm -hmm. it is really, I mean, you can't win unless the team's winning. And I think that one of the things that I'm navigating right now, being a senior, I'm looking ahead and I'm like, gosh, like, you know, with athletics kind of coming to a close, what was that transition period like coming from, you know, you're all in on a high performance team to maybe coming out and you obviously still were on high performance teams outside of college, but it was, it looked a lot different. What was that transition period like? Well, the immediate transition period had peaks and valleys. The peaks being I, we were a fall sport, so in mm-hmm. the spring, you can go out every night. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I got to kind of enjoy the regular way college experience. So that oh, yeah. those, were, those were the peaks. You know, the valley is realizing that there's life beyond sports. Mm. And that, I, you know, that is, it's kind of depressing when you get out of it because you realize you've been training every day. It's been a 90% of your focus in life on a daily basis. So that part was very difficult. I think participating in team activities and trying to build a a community within whatever job you're in is a really big, I think it substitutes or or fills that void that you have when you leave athletics and you start building your own teams, but in different ways. The one thing to realize is that it moves differently. So not everyone is as passionate or fast moving or trying to achieve that takes a lot of different personalities to make a team successful. And I find outside of sports, some of those personalities are even more different, but even more necessary. Yeah. What was the dream always to play volleyball or play volleyball for A&M? What was your, what was your path to getting to A&M way back when you had all started? I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell that part. I actually always thought I'd go to the University of Texas and play volleyball there. Sometimes we wake up and realize the right decision. <laughs> exactly. I got smart. No, no. I, I, I thought I was going to go to the University of Texas. The coach um, ended up leaving the University of Texas my junior year to become the Olympic team coach. So wow. I started kind of refiguring what I wanted to do. And I, I did my five visits to various schools and 
I just fell in love with the program. And, and I, I, my dad is an Aggie, so I always, obviously knew a lot about the school and the tradition. But I fell in love with the family atmosphere of a and um, during my visit. The Corbellis, you know, husband, wife, head coach, associate, head coach team. And we were just in the beginning of recruiting nationwide versus more kind of Texas-centric recruiting yeah. back in the mid-90s. And they were doing a great job of it. And so it was just this family of transplants from other places who had this great sense of community that I... I really was drawn to. That's awesome. And how do you carry? I was kind of attracted the exact same way. I was. I came to the tennis camps when I was ten. Yep. The A&M tennis camp. So I was, I barely taller than the tennis net when I first started, and <laughs> just fell in love with the community. How did you carry those those skills and those leadership principles from volleyball into? Oh, and I think maybe that's jumping a little bit further ahead because you've had experiences. You were there at Lehman Brothers. You were at Enron. You've also, so you've kind of seen. I've taken a lot of folks down. Yeah. <laughs> so you've seen kind of both ends of the spectrum and something that the the focus of the podcast is not just talking to Aggie greats like yourself, but also being able to help create Aggie greats. And when we, when we look at that question of how do we build Aggies and help them to come out of college with skills that allow them to be successful, from your experience, what were you able to draw from that allowed you to really identify, hey, this isn't a strong team culture versus like, here's a culture that we're trying to build and develop today? Yeah, I mean, I would say my time at AM on the volleyball team, as I mentioned, I got a, a clear realization that it takes different contributions. We can't all be superstars. And so those who are superstars or those who want to be part of a team, need to pull everyone else up and remind people that, you know, we are, number one, we are parts of team a, a team. And number two, just continuing to remind people that the goal is something beyond just them as individuals. So it's not about being an All-American. It's not about becoming CEO. It's not about becoming a managing director, depending on what titles are. It's about the success of this team and aligning aligning team members with that success is really important. And I've, I've learned that just, you know, having been in several organizations and then ultimately becoming more of an entrepreneur, starting my own business. It's that alignment that was really evident to me when I became a sophomore and went through all of this at A&M and my defining moment. That's when I learned that I was aligned with the team and the team's outcome and I needed to make whatever contribution it took to get there. Wow. I think that's so, that kind of fits into... That selfless service piece. There was a cool analogy where if you think about ships on the ocean, when when the water rises, all the other ships are rising with it. Yep. And right. oftentimes we're so focused on trying to climb up ourselves that we we forget to bring other people up. Being an athlete at A and M is the top one percent of athletes, but then to be the captain of that is even like the one percent of the one percent. And then the, you know, so there's just, there's always a, a higher scale. Something I struggle with a lot is pride and ego. Sometimes it, yep. it gets really easy to get to your head and be like, wow, I'm, I'm, I've done all this. I've been so successful. How do you manage that and make sure that you are still allowing yourself to, uh, I guess, stay grounded in who you are and your actual abilities? Yeah, I think I'll draw back from my sophomore year in college. Like, there's no task that's too remedial for me. I find myself needing to get dirty in the weeds on things sometimes, even though you wouldn't normally see someone in my position do that. I need to actually spend the time and work a little bit longer hours with the team. And 
lead by example in that way so that, number one, they know I'm willing to put the same kind of work in that they are. Number two, you learn things from being in the weeds. And number three, it's you remind yourself that you were once here too. So treat people with respect mm. and try to pull them up to where you are versus having their level and, and their part of the ecosystem. Wow. I love that. I was looking up what the definition of character was because I was I was writing a paper on it and something it said was that characters basically, you can tell somebody's character by how they treat the people who can't really do anything for them. And mm-hmm. something that really stands out to me is just like today, it's an amazing experience to get to talk to you, but it's not an uncommon experience, which is wild to me, just the character that Aggies have and the ability to really create a community and a culture where Aggies help Aggies. And and that fully fits into that concept of, hey, how can we build up people around us? And and so that kind of, this is literally an example of that. And, and something that when we're looking at developing Aggies and we're looking at how can we pour in other people, something that you do a lot of is you're active on a lot of different boards, not just within your company. And I would love to hear your thoughts on kind of why that is such a valuable use of your time. I think we all get things out of everything we do, right? Whether that's just a feeling or an emotion or snippets of knowledge. But the reason that I stay active at Texas A&M specifically and quote unquote don't get paid or don't get anything out of it is people did those things for me. You know, they created programs like Petroleum Ventures Program. There were things going on like that. Aggies on Wall Street was a a relatively new... Were you you a part of that? I was not. So I was relatively new. I didn't have time, unfortunately. Like Titans was created shortly after. I I was a class of 34, T34. Yeah. But (laughs) but those are the big things that someone took the time to do those things. And that helped me. You know, I went into investment banking after business school partially because Aggies on Wall Street was so new that they didn't really recruit an undergrad. And so I wanted to help make that more accessible to more undergrads. So I joined the finance board, finance department a while ago, just to try to see, like, where can I contribute to try to help pull folks up? Yeah. Um, And it is gratifying to be able to help. So I do get something out of it. But at the same time, I want you and all the other seniors in the business school and other schools to be able to have the same chances that I've had, but even better. Man. Yeah. And what advice, obviously a lot of athletes listen to the podcast and, are, and I, I have a ton of friends on the volleyball team. Like, oh my gosh. Like <laughs> you get to talk to Claire, which is fun. Cause I think that while you're here on campus, it's kind of like a fishbowl. Everybody's looking in at you guys and like, what's, yeah. what's setting you different? How can I follow in their footsteps? What, what advice do you have for athletes who are transitioning into that professional life? How can they manage that transition effectively and kind of hit the ground running instead of kind of tripping and falling at the first hurdle? The One of the things you learn as an athlete is to be differentiated, right? Because you learn yeah. how to walk on a court and have people look at you. Right. I would embrace that. I've always embraced the walking into a room with confidence, whether I feel confident or not. Walk into a room with confidence and listen and see where you can find little places to differentiate yourself. But I'd say, on the whole, my biggest piece of advice to athletes and probably younger than seniors who are graduating is remember there is life beyond sports. Yeah. <laughs> How do you separate those two on a day-to-day basis? Because it's, it's really tough. 
It's so tough. It's much easier for me today simply because I'm, I can't jump anymore. There's, there's no volleyball in my current <laughs> life. Unfortunately, people ask me if I play all the time. I'm I have, like, no, I'm a desk jockey now. I don't really have the stamina or physical abilities to do what I used to do. So I don't really do it much. But what do you do for like free time? Uh, so I play a lot of golf. Oh, okay. I've been getting into I've golf. Transitioned so. to the, I've been transitioning to the lifetime sports. <laughs> The country club sports. The country club sports. Yeah, yeah. the more refined sports. <laughs> yes. And other than that, I actually do coach my daughter's teams. So she's okay, awesome. basketball. She's about to start playing volleyball. So we're transitioned. Are... She's nine and she's five. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Is the brainwashing starting? Oh, it's absolutely starting. <laughs> I think that it's it's really fun to be a part of a community. And I guess, again, that goes back to that piece of recognizing that you are not your sport. There's a quote that says, you are what you repeatedly do, uh, mm-hmm. which I think has some merit. But how do you separate that piece of you are what you repeatedly do from my identity isn't that? You know, yeah, you can change what you repeatedly do. So yeah. I always tell people to keep an open mind because your path is never going to be the path that you think it is um, with what you set out to do. So I've, you know, zigged and zagged and had lots of different I mean, I would like, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I was at Enron. That was my first job out of school. Right. Within eight months, it went bankrupt. I went to, to business school, and a year and a half after I went to Lehman Brothers, it went bankrupt. I did not plan this. Seems like a trend. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I get that a lot. <laughs> you're, you're bringing them all down. I haven't taken anyone else down. We're good. <laughs> not, not yet. What uh-huh. what habits did you develop in college here at AM that were extremely beneficial in your ability to perform at a high level coming out of college? Just knowing that hard work pays off. Mm. It really does pay off. And so getting out of school and going to a job, it's hard work pays off. So just put the work in. It's going to be a grind early in your earlier in your career and it will be so fulfilling later in your career. So just keep grinding away. I love that. And I think that we get so wrapped up in the now, 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 especially with with technology and with instant gratification. We, you know, anytime I want to just have a laugh, I just pull up Instagram, I pull up Facebook, I pull up YouTube, and I just have that. And as athletes, it's, it's the exact opposite, especially mm-hmm. once you start to get to a certain level, the, the gains just kind of level off. And, and it's much more about uh, taking one step forward and recognizing that not doing anything is doing something. And every single day that we decide to not take a step forward is a decision to not step closer to where we want to be, which I think is really detrimental because we get so frozen and indecision. And especially as seniors, we hit this space where it's second semester, it's February. I don't even have a job. I don't know what I'm going to do next semester. And it's like, okay, pump the brakes, but let's you know, keep keep running somewhere. Know that you have a general, and that's why goals are so important. Have some, have an idea of where you're trying to go, but like you said, stay flexible and adapt as new opportunities arise. Absolutely, yeah, it's good, Kenner. Thank you. You're wise beyond your years. <laughs> no, I've just talked to a lot of amazing people who've just given me awesome advice, and I I think my passion is always looking back and saying, what do I wish I knew my freshman year or my sophomore year. And so in my mind, I'm kind of like talking to my freshman or sophomore yourself. And you said that one of your defining moments was from sophomore year, yet you look at where you are now and you know, you've had so many more successes, probably where you were sophomore year. You're like, I would have no idea that I would be where I am today. And looking back, 
What's something that you wish that you knew earlier on in college, earlier on here at A&M, that may have kind of helped in that process or helped you avoid some of the problems that you faced throughout your journey? Yeah, I think playing sports at A&M, every, every person who's the 1% playing at A&M right now was their superstar on their high school team or growing up was one of the best of the best in the country. And that experience of understanding once you're in a, a fishbowl with a lot of people that were all the best and the best in the country, it mm-hmm. is very humbling. And you realize that that is when you make the transition that there's life beyond sports. Yeah. And so if, if I had kind of known that going into school, this is going to be really hard. You're not assured success, even if you just work hard. You know, there's some talent that comes along with it. I think understanding how to change my mindset into less about me and more about the team faster I wish I had been able to do. It was, it was rather painful going through it at the time. Yeah. How much value do employers or do just people in the workforce have for athletes? Like how important is that title? Is that even something that it can be leveraged? It is. Absolutely. I mean, uh, certain professions, I would say finance professions, things around building businesses, things like that. If you had two resumes in front of you and they all had the same grades, the same degrees, but you saw an athlete on there, you would actually pay a little bit of attention mm. to it. Or sometimes there's A and M on it. Let's say A and M. Yes, yeah. both accurate statements. But but yeah, no, I I think it definitely, and I think that what people see is that hard work that I mentioned earlier. That people who have risen to that level are not afraid to work hard, and I do think the team aspect of it is huge, and people see that and they they realize that, you know, maybe not every varsity athlete at A and M has figured out that team is more important than I. We, we, yeah. we see it on on the various sports we watch right. on TV, but. At some point, there is a humbling experience, whether it's an injury, whether it's you're you're sick for a couple practices and someone right behind you may take your spot. Whatever line you're playing on the tennis team, you may have you may be in a little bit of a rut. There's that humbling experience, I think, teaches people how to be part of a team. Yeah. And I think unless you're part of a a very high caliber team, sometimes it takes longer for people to realize that. Wow. That's awesome. Something that I think directly ties into that. And it's kind of been a running theme throughout the podcast, the whole focus. I mean, the the podcast is Aggie Greats. It's talking to Aggie Greats, helping make Aggie Greats. In your experience, what makes someone an Aggie Great? Oh, gosh. In my experience, it's understanding that sense of community and giving back to that community. Wow. Is what is what makes someone an Aggie Great because it's someone who understands how it is an asset to us, and then tries to pass on the asset to others. Right. Well, and I think that, I mean, that perfectly reflects the idea of whether we like it or not, we aren't <laughs> the end-all, be-all. We're not everything. For example, with with the company that you've started or are currently mm-hmm. running, yes, you're going to be there, but there are going to be other people. Hopefully, if it's going to be a long-term company, there are going to be leaders who come in and help make it better and mm-hmm. recognizing like, hey, I have these skills. This is my passion. This is my baby. But there are also other people who want to see this succeed and who have the skills and the ability to do that. Like you said, understand your strengths, leverage those, but then also equally as important, know where your weaknesses are and get people on your team on the ship who who those are their strengths. And so that, and the more Aggies, the more Aggies you can do to do that. <laughs> the more the you'll be. That's, yeah. that's my best piece of advice. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's been a pleasure meeting you. I'll hopefully hear you out there in the stands. You definitely will uh, if you're there. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate your time. And I hope that you have an awesome week. Thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate being part of it. And Giggum. Thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next week. And as always, thanks and Giggum. 